Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. We are back. We have a a near full house, a much closer to a full house than last week, that's for sure, because I am back in the host seat, having missed round one. I'm joined by last week's host, Ewan Burns. How are you doing? It's good to speak to you again. Are you feeling a little bit more lively than last week? Well, maybe. Maybe I'm going to withhold any liveliness just out of spite. <laughs> you sound a little bit uninterested, I've got to be honest with you, Ewan. Um, your uninterested best friend, Kev Pugzelski, is also here. Kev, on a scale of completely to slightly in the opposite order, how uninterested are you this week? Uh, I'm a 7, I reckon, out of 10. So that's pretty good, isn't it? Like 70% uninterested. So, oh, sorry, 30% uninterested. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that to be there's, there's a lot to be uninterested about. There, there is, particularly given how the Serie A action finished this weekend, but I, I think we all made the right choice and, and didn't watch that game, so we can't complain too much about it. But you and you alluded to it last week. There's a lot of changes happening behind the scenes. This podcast is still going to continue going out as the Forza Italian Football Podcast. For all of the other bits, you can find out more on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash totalitalianfootball. We'll be producing near daily content, daily from Monday to Friday anyway, once things are fully back in to the swing of 22-23 at the beginning of September. So do head over there. Two euro a month is all you need to give to sign up to more regular content. Anyway, we're here to talk about match day two of Serie A. Now, I'm a little bit annoyed that I've returned for this one, to be perfectly honest with you, because match day one was was so much more fun. And you'll see why when I start reading through the, the score lines. So... We had on Saturday, do you know what? I don't actually know if I've listed these in the correct order, but let's just go through the games anyway, shall we? Torino nil, Lazio nil, Udinese nil, Salernitana nil, Inter three, Spezia nil, Sassuolo one, Lecce nil, Napoli four, Monza nil, Empoli Fiorentina was nil nil, Bologna Verona was one one, Atalanta Milan was one one, Roma beat Cremonese one nil. And Samp Juve was nil nil. Now, not the most exciting of rounds, Kev. I, I can see you were holding up both hands in the shape of zeros while I was reading out those scores. Um, what happened this week? I think uh, you and jinxed it because he was talking about last week that there was there were no draws, and I think only one. <laughs> I think only one or two sides drew a blank last weekend. Yeah, I think oh, three actually with Sampdoria and Empoli and Sassuolo. And uh, and yeah, we were. What did we get? Six draws this week. We were kind of cursed with. Um, well, yes, and and worse than that, I think it's just that you've got four 
golden straws in there. And, it, and sometimes yeah. golden straws can be great. But, um, yeah. They were uh, for, for at least two of them, Torino, Lazio and Sampdoria Juventus, I've just written down 90 minutes of nothingness. Um, even though one of those guys, one of those games actually had a um, a disallowed goal for Rabiot, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a great week. Let's be honest. It just got to say, in terms of how the weeks panned out for Juve fans, they've gone from it looking dead certain that Rabiot will not be playing for their football club to him having disallowed goals away at Sam. <laughs> That is that's a special week, that isn't it? Uh, it's been an odd one. It's been a very, very odd one for Juventus. But you and I've got to take my hat off to you and give you a little bit of credit because the patrons will know. Those who aren't patrons won't. But we did the preview pod as we do every week in the build-up to match day two. And your closing words, or what were more or less your closing words on the podcast, were. Don't watch Sam Uwe. Although yeah. I, I appreciate the credit, but I don't think it was the boldest shout in the world. No. Clearly it was spot on, but no. it wasn't a totally out there shout. But, no, I think you're you're very modest there, but it is true. We do tend to live by rule, which is that generally, if you've something else to do other than watch Juventus, probably do that thing. I thought you were going to say don't watch Sam because Vito's not here. And, uh... No, but look. Well, they, 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 they apportion some of the blame. It's more of a Juve thing, but if there's any team to put against Juve that I'm also not really asked about watching. Yeah, <laughs> they are they are quite near the top of the table if we were to make one of 1 to 20 of teams to not watch, I think. <laughs> Sam and Juve would both be in the top five of that table or the bottom five, however you want to look at it. Vito isn't here, probably for the best, although he'd probably be quite happy with a point, but fuming that Sam didn't push on to get the win. But look, let's let's get into it and talk about the, the games that were of some interest, shall we? There was a big, big game, especially considering it's only the second match day in Bergamo, where Atalanta went 1-0 up against Milan, but Milan came back and it finished 1-1. Now, if I'm giving out credit, I've got to come to you first, Kev, because I think you were probably the only person on the preview pod that said this would finish in a draw. Yeah, I, I, I called it. I was a little bit sitting on the fence, um, but I, I, to be honest, don't say that. I'm trying to here. I'm trying to help you. Well, okay, fairly enough. Yeah, I was just trying to work out if I predicted it somewhere else as a as an away win, but I didn't. Um, but it, it it kind of it kind of did go exactly how I thought it would. I thought there might be an early goal for Atalanta, like you said on the preview pod. I talked up the fact that it was the first game at home. They had a terrible season last year. There's been lots of goings on that we've covered um, over the summer, and that they would you know start quite quickly. They got their goal. Um, not necessarily fortunately. I think Manyan could have done better, but it wasn't it wasn't a big deflection. There was a small it was deflection, deflected. But but not enough that he shouldn't have Oh enough to lift it over Manyan. No, it didn't really lift it over him. It, it lifted it from his his elbow to kind of midway up his arm towards his shoulder. It wasn't as if it lifted him over his head and out of his reach. I mean, no, but Kev, right. Just think about it, right? Ruslan Malinovsky kicks a football harder than anybody in the but world. But that wasn't one of his best and he's efforts. he's taken a shot. No, but that's because his usual standard is insane. He still hit that ball pretty hard from relatively close to goal. And the deflection was, what, on the six-yard line? Uh, well, yeah, maybe a couple of yards. Sorry. You don't like goalkeepers. Just say it. No, I was just thought he could have done better. There you go. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was more concerned, you know, talking about Malinovsky, 
when he there was a moment in the I'm sure it was the first half where he kind of ran into Benacer and, and sort of kneed him right in the thigh. And I didn't know if Benacer was going to get up. I thought you've got to get a dead leg, and with the power in Malinowski's yeah. like um, legs, I was thinking that's got to hurt. And obviously then he pops up and scores um, a very nice uh, equaliser. He obviously just transmitted some of the power from his leg into Benacer. There you go, like being bit by a spider or radioactive spider. <laughs> Is that? Is that what happens, or is that just a film? I think that well, it's definitely a film because I'm not I'm not sure I've ever heard of a radioactive <laughs> spider in real life. Um, you know, yeah. no, uh, I'm not so sure. But in terms of the papers' reaction to this, Gazetta said that this was a draw that only pleased Inter. Pretty accurate, pretty on the on the money. Um, Corriere dello Sport, you and I think went a little bit extreme in their response to this. They said that the the alarm bells are already ringing for Pioli. They they drew against Atalanta, a team who, before the last three games, they had beaten once in their previous 10. <laughs> they drew against a decent team away from home. It's not that bad, is it? No, not at all. I mean, I, I think this this was a weird game in the sense, I think both teams were quite bad, actually. Um, there was It was very much two moments happened. There was very little sustained periods of impressive play from either side. <laughs> um, but in terms of things being wrong for Milan. I mean, if they'd lost their first game, then fair dues, but they didn't. They scored four goals, albeit had some ropey moments. But, you know, the, when I was watching it, I was thinking of something to write afterwards and I thought to myself, if Origi and De Ketelau had come on and changed things, I was thinking, right, there is the perfect exhibit of what they've done this summer and how it's meant to work sort of thing. But, you know, they came on and nothing happened. It was just very disjointed. You know, you had the moment of what was brilliant from Benazir and that was it. So it was, you know, mildly concerning. But like you say, Atalanta are good and it was a point away from home. It's really not the end of the world. I really agree. Completely agree. But Benazir being the... Can we say it was the hero? I suppose it, it was a, a big goal, wasn't it? But it's not a winner, so I'm reluctant to say he was the hero. But you and you kind of wrote about this after the game. Do you do you think he's going to have that extra responsibility on his shoulders now this season with Kessie having moved on? Yeah, I think he has to because I don't think he would have necessarily expected to because they were meant to get Renato Sanchez, who is a midfielder who scores goals. Um, it looks like they are going to sign another midfielder, but it's going to be one of about four names from Liga and who aren't known for scoring goals. Um, so what I was right about, basically, Kessie scored, I think it was six Serie A goals last season. Benacer got two. So there, there, there is an amount of slack to be picked up by that midfield. And what's weird, Benacer said, that goal was fantastic technique-wise. His previous one towards the end of last season was that volley against Cagliari, which was absolutely gorgeous. It's like there, there is something there <laughs> it's not like the goals have been tappings there there is something there um but you just don't see it enough he just doesn't seem to find the back of the net enough and if if that's something that he can change then you know that gives something fresh to Milan's midfield and they're also trying to give him a new deal at the moment as well and it seems likely that will happen um so there's you know there's scope for him to become way more important than he even was last season and he was already very important he was important. I was thinking you were talking about the goal he scored against Cagliari. I was at a game. Was it? It was Bologna Milan last year. It was that yeah, stupid that was game where Bologna had nine men. 
Um, and he scored an important goal at the end of that as well. I think it might have been the winner, the one that made it 3-2, or maybe it was the one that made it 4-2, but it was a big one anyway. Um, so, yeah, he could. He does have the the technical ability to pop up with goals like that from the edge of the area. So it's an interesting one to watch. Kev, speaking of Milan's important players, we won't go too much into this, but Rafael Liao being linked with a move to Chelsea now. Chelsea are a little bit like... Manchester United in the last couple of weeks and that they just seem to be trying to sign everybody. Liao to the Premier League, could you see it happening? Um, yeah, not this summer. I think Milan are in a position that they need to let him go and I don't think it would be good for for his career development. And now that you're looking at it being a link with Chelsea, um, they seem to be uh, quite close to signing Pierre-Emerick uh, Aubameyang. And... Uh, Although I don't know why they're doing that. Um, that probably leaves Liao at Milan for a little while, a bit longer. Quite possibly. I Something that I obviously enjoyed from this game was the fact that Ruslan Malinovsky scored, Ewan, but <laughs> he's, he's on the transfer list at Atalanta. He, he didn't start last week at Samp. He came on, he got a little bit of a run at the end. He had a hand in... Adamola Luckman's goal. Um, and in the day before the game, Gasparini did his usual press conference and he said, look, we we love Malinowski. What he's done has been remarkable. He's played for us in a position that's not his, but we need someone with slightly different attributes and we need something or someone who scores more than six goals a season. Then he starts him against Milan and he scores the opening goal. Uh, genius from Gasparini there. Yeah, but the whole thing is so bizarre in the yeah. sense like for the entire club because you're at a point if, if they've collectively decided right we can probably get a fee whatever they think they can get or would get for this guy let's get him out and get somebody else in who might have a few more goals but less overall you know role in the team then you know hurry up and do it because if, if, you, if you don't want him and you want him out then you want to replace him. You want to do it sooner rather than later. Uh-huh. So you got you in this weird limbo zone now where he scored this goal, which is great, and everyone's happy about it, but you know, he might be off. And it you know, they're, they're gonna end up having to get someone in late in the window. And it just all feels very bizarre. They made it through the whole summer without having sold anybody. And then the weekend that the Serie A season begins, they sold Open the doors. One of their most important players in Remo Freuler, and not just a guy who's there, one of the players who, for the last three years, when he hasn't played, it's not just been difficult, but it's been a mess. Like, if you think of all of Atalanta's really bad results in the last few years, not the, you know, losing at home to Milan or whatever, that can happen, but I'm talking about when they collapsed in against teams and when they were just dreadful against lesser teams, Freud was never there. And they sold him for nine million <laughs> to, a, to a Premier League team. To who, a team with a whacking cash around. Like who, who spent 40 million on someone from Wolves that I'd never heard of before. Like, it's <laughs> genuinely dreadful business. So, and I just, I heard you guys talking about this on the pod last week and you said that I could have the chance to talk about it when I come back. I don't really want to, but I can't really stop because it's all I'm thinking about. This, The changes that have happened behind the scenes there are dreadful because now it looks like Malinowski is going to be sold and Hattabor too. Now, Hattabor has not been the same since he spent a year on the sidelines injured. I think it was 2012. 
2020, maybe it was 2021. He basically missed the entire calendar year through injury. But he's been the starting right back so far this season. So you don't start a season and then sell your best defensive midfielder, your starting right wing back, and the guy who scores goals against Napoli, Milan, Juventus, Inter, all of these teams. I can't get my head around it. The whole thing's a mess. Kev, you look like you're enjoying this. Well, I was just thinking, if, if they've sold your most important player for, was, did you say seven or nine million? Nine. Then you'll, you'll, you'll get a good seven for Malinowski, maybe six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta gotta milk that Premier League money. We might get six and a half, seven and a half, maybe. I it's the fee. The fee for Froiler really, really irritates me because Atalanta always sell if the right offer comes in. There's there's no world in which that is the right offer for Realm of Froiler, right? And Forest have spent more than anyone in England this summer except for Chelsea. It's probably changed now because of the Casemiro thing. I know that Forest have brought in a lot of players and they've not spent big on any one individual except for that Wolves player whose name I don't even remember. No, they, but well, they broke their yeah, I can't I can't remember how much they broke their transfer win uh, transfer record for uh, the lad from Union Berlin, Adiomi. Mm. But they spent a hundred million. You know, not an insignificant if, amount. If Royler went to a, a French club, a Spanish club, or a German club for nine million, I'd be annoyed. But this is going to the Premier League. You want thirty for him? But this is the problem. There is no market there, so everybody thinks. Well, I think there was a period where the Premier League money was great because the European clubs could kind of charge a premium to Premier League teams coming and buying their best players, or you know, just their players, and. Now, but that was when there was a there was an there was alternative markets in France, in Spain, you know, even in Italy. If you're thinking of the, those other leagues trying to sell to Premier League, there's no there's no real market. You know, you, you know the Premier League, sadly and depressingly, has become a super league in itself. And unless they're fighting each other, the the transfer fees are just ridiculous. They're either really stupidly high because you know the likes of uh, Madrid are going to come in for Haaland so you've got to give him this reported sort of 80 million signing on fee or you know PSG have got to give Mbappe 130 million re-signing on fee because there's no there's no mid-level there's no mid-level market for people to come in you know they're Nottingham Forest are going here's 9 million and Atlanta are looking around and going oh there's 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 not even uh, an equivalent offer coming from a league team or a Bundesliga team because they haven't got the money to spend on those those sorts of players. I get that, but this isn't a player that this isn't um I don't know, like I, I like Mario Pasolic, but it's not him, it's not Joachim Mele, it's not No, but are they better off selling four players, players for two million there. each or one player you know, because what's worse? I know I know you you you've you know we can hear how passionate you are about the importance of Freuler, but is that worse than losing four other players for the same cost and then having to sort of fill those gaps and maybe have a, you know, and maybe just take longer to get back and get competitive for mm. European places? Because sometimes you've got to sell your biggest asset and your most important asset to be able to kind of rebuild or at least continue on a little bit of the momentum you're on. But this is Atalanta. That's never been a problem. Go back in the Gasparini era. They they sold Kessie for twenty five million. They sold Conti for twenty five million. Caldara, Caldara was nearly 
30 million, I think. They they have no problem selling. I mean, that market's it's not the there. Fee that's is outrageous. It? Sorry, I know you almost come in, but, in, but who's gonna who's gonna buy somebody like Caldara for thirty million? Well, no one, exactly. but Atalanta don't have a Caldara anymore. Freuler is one of the pillars of this team, and they signed Ederson for fifteen to twenty million. Like they've overspent on a worse player, and and sold Freuler. I don't get it. Do you think there's a chance that they've possibly been too kind to Freuler on a human level? Yeah. Where this bid has come in, and he's he must have said to them, "Look, I, I fancy this. You know, I've been here a while. I fancy." Going the doubling my wages, which is just totally well. Yeah, there's that element of it too. But it's totally fair game if he wants to do that. But surely they've got to kind of find a balance where they say to him, "Look, you can go, but we need more than this." That's and they the... almost certainly would have got it. Yeah, you know, 100%. You could definitely, you could definitely get that to at least fifteen. You'd think, which is still a bit nothingy. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely more in the pot there. I think more would have been given. They probably couldn't believe their luck. That's that's why it's annoying. Everybody, every Atalanta fan has nothing but kind things to say about Roman Freuler and everybody, including those at the club, were happy to see him go on and do something else because he said he wanted a new challenge and good luck to him. I'm, I don't care how long we're having this conversation for or how many other people try to tell me listeners do about it, but like... Like, I don't care about them. They're getting interest this week. They had uninterest last week. Now they've got interest, <laughs> so they can take it. Um, there's no way in this world you can tell me that Atalanta have got anything other than a dreadful deal out of this. Like, 15 would have been minimum, but you could say, okay, they're doing a good thing for, for Freuler. Let's move on and talk about something that's going to make me happy. Monza are rubbish. They lost 4-0 away to Napoli. Kev... Mm. you were on the preview pod with me the listeners who aren't patrons won't understand why I'm so pleased about this but I'm bloody pleased that Napoli gave Monza a good 4-0 spanking yeah they look shocking um, and bottom of the table Kev, they're bottom they were, of the table they were really bad yeah. yes Ewan, yes <laughs> really rub it in it, it, it should have been double really to 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 actually give a fair reflection of the, you know, how, the, 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 how far apart these two teams were. And um, I can kind of understand it. You know, you've, you've got all these, these new players coming in. Um, there can be all sorts that go wrong with that. You know, it's, it could, you could view it with a clean slate, but sometimes that'll take a bit of time to, to get people bedded in. You could see it that the people that are still sticking around are a little bit, you know, their noses are, are out of joint. Um, but it, but it's 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 not working, and I don't um, expect uh, Stropper to be there very long because but they're already lining somebody. Yeah, already yeah. Up deserve, but they? that's the stupid thing, isn't it? Because you've got to give a little bit of time. But um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think if Monza fans are trying to make themselves feel good about anything, it's that you know this was this was Napoli, although. I myself would tip them to struggle with what they've lost this season, but they seem to have been picking up, and I know we'll get on to the pronunciation at one point. Um, but they seem to have picked up some real gems with some real sort of strength. You know, the this, the uh, the South Korean uh, centre-half, um, Kim, I now can't think of the other name. Min Jae. Min Jae. Uh, he scored, but he looked, he looked sound. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which is what all you want from a defender when they're trying to sort of bed themselves into a new league, and um, and yeah, and then they're getting goals out of their new their other new signing. Look, it's not beating around the bush. It's Kvaratskhelia, right? 
Kvaratskelia. Did you see? So, did you see is is the the tweet Na- uh, Napoli put out today? I didn't. Oh yeah, so he was doing the pronunciation, and I watched it about oh, ten okay. times. And I was I was I was saying it out loud, and I've written it I've written it down because I will I, I do it I still do it very slow, but uh, the dog hated it. It literally left the room after about my twentieth or 30, my twentieth or thirtieth attempt. I think the dog looked at me and thought, "What are you doing?" Um, but but yeah, he he says it so it says it so quick. I think I just did with his first name, which is Quitsha. Quitsha Kav Kav Arash Helia. Oh, but you've got to just okay. you've got to merge them in. But yeah, it's it's, it's a decent one because. Um, Sorry, was that after ten attempts? Yeah, well, yeah no, that's after about, that's about after about hundred attempts. Um, but yeah, he scored a couple of really nice goals, and I say he just seems like a steal from, you know, from. Um, I can't remember if he was playing in Georgian football. I think he was. Um, because they made reference to it on on the on the on the UK broadcast. Um, but yeah, he, a couple of a couple of lovely finishes. I'm not ever one to pretend to know anything about someone that I've not seen before. I'd never heard of this guy before he signed for Napoli. I've not got a clue what he's about other than what we've seen in in the last, what, eight days. But Ewan, it's hard not to be impressed by him so far. He's looked absolutely fantastic. And I'm scrambling to find the name of... There's somebody I follow who tweets about Italian football and is Georgian. And oh. I, hadn't, I hadn't heard of him, the, the the player, not the journalist. Um, but I'd I'd seen that this guy had been banging the drum ever since he was even linked with Napoli, which is why on a pod somewhere earlier this summer, I would have said people are excited about him. I haven't mm. seen him, but people are excited about him, and you know he's been vindicated because he the the that first goal against Monza that was just. It was absolutely fantastic. And it was one of them, you, you could see it coming, but you still didn't think he'd do it. Do you know what I mean, like the, the, yeah. the way he stepped it out, it looked far too wide. And it, it was just, it was literally a perfect finish. And he he just looks and feels like a senior member of the team yeah, I straight away. And that's exactly what they've needed him to be. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a, a, a world beater necessarily, but mm. he's suddenly at the level of everybody else. But, you know, you compare him to the Lozano on the other side. But he he came in with lots and lots of kind of expectation, and that's probably what's really helped um, helped help the lad because he can just come in. He, he just seems to have this 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 drive, this freedom, because he hasn't come in on a big fee. Nobody really knows anything about him. He's getting his head down. He's enjoying his football. Um, the flip side is he had a couple of terrible games to start with. Everybody be you know focusing on it because nobody knew where he come from. So. Do people need to calm down a bit? Because I've well, they have only I've closed Monza. Twitter a few times. Yeah, like this is the thing, right? They <laughs> they've played Monza, and who did they play last Ver- week? You and Ver- Verona. Sorry, right? <laughs> a Verona team who are rubbish this year. They're not the Verona of last year. Relax, please. It's annoying me. <laughs> It's really annoying me. Monza, Monza is shit. Like, <laughs> come off it. I'm very happy to do the whole relax and everything with Napoli as a whole. Okay. Um, with Kratzkelia, I just think... He, I was waiting for you to it, say that, by the way, because Kevin yeah. and I had had a go. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know, some, sometimes 
when it's a team where you know I don't support Napoli, I also don't hate them. When, when there's a player who is young and exciting, it's quite nice to almost let yourself get carried away with them a bit. You know, what will be will be. Um, I should just say the journalist I was on about it's Lasha Kokiashvili. I've got another Georgian name. <laughs> Luckily, that that one makes a bit more sense in my head. How old um, is Kvaratskhelia? Twenty. Twenty-one, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, this this guy was he, he covers AC Milan and he was talking about the guy a lot. Um, so fair dues to him. So he'll be he'll be sitting on the Milan bench next year. <laughs> the the thing is, I've no problem with Georgian journalists, particularly Georgian journalists who follow Italian football, getting excited about this guy. I'm very excited that Liam Kerrigan has joined Como in Serie B and he scored in his debut. But I'm not comparing Liam Kerrigan to Cesc Fabregas because they're playing in the same team now. It's like just. <laughs> Just have a breather, please, everybody, because it's a little bit ridiculous. It's well, a little bit ridiculous. At a point where Kvaratskhelia was probably the best player in Georgia, basically. Mm. So it, uh, it's probably, you know, that there are there are knowingly much better Irish players than Liam Kerrigan around. Whereas I'm not convinced that's the case with Georgia. I'd happily be told I'm wrong, but no one comes to mind. <laughs> no other Georgian players are coming to my head. Um, well, we'll talk about yeah, our other superstar then, Aaron Connolly, who's gone to Venezia, shall we? Came off oh, the bench at 1-0 the other day, and Venezia won 2-1, and he didn't do anything for either goal, but I'm having it. There was, honestly, off off topic, but um, the the winning goal for Venezia there, it was one of the best <laughs> examples of when a goal goes in, because it was, it was like the 95th minute, when a goal goes in and the defending team just simultaneously collapsed to the ground. Mm. It was it was quite heartbreaking. It was Sutterol, and they just all collapsed on the ground. It's, it's oh. worth finding. Sutirol, by the way, I'm pretty sure this is correct. First team ever from Trentino Alto Adige to, to be playing in Serie B. So that's huge. Really? Because, the, yeah, it's basically not Italy. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's true. It's, it's like they're effectively Austrian, as you can see in the name. It's amazing that they're in Serie B. It's I do nice think one. they build a little bit on top of Italy each time I sort of just have a scroll. <laughs> well, that was definitely happening for a certain particular yeah. period of history. Yeah, yeah. I just but... my head up there just to have a little look. I think that there's there's definitely more of this. Yeah. <laughs> if you go over towards France and you find Valle d'Aosta, you'll have that same yeah, feeling. You're yeah. like, what? And then you find Trieste and you think, how is this not like Croatia <laughs> or Slovenia or something? Yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot of that for sure. Hundred percent. Um. Even with the islands, you go to Lampedusa and you think, no, I'm sorry, this is Tunisia, this is not Italy. But, yeah, <laughs> you know how history works. Where are you from? Um, but let's move on, shall we? Let's move on. Kev, the bottom three after two games are the three who came up. Now, I know you like when the, the newcomers come up and do a little bit. Everybody thought Monza were going to be that team. I'm not going to write them off after two games, but they were rubbish this weekend and they weren't very good against Torino. Lecce and Cremonese are probably going to struggle as well. It's not great to have those three teams being the bottom three. And are they the only three teams with zero points after two games? I'm not quite sure about that. They are. So it doesn't look nice. No, I, I like probably a lot of people tipped Monza to overachieve. Um, ah, loser. Yeah, um, thanks for that. <laughs> um, but actually, Cremonense, they looked like they, you know, Rui Patricio today 
had yeah. to make a couple of saves. They obviously they were they were in within a, a radu blip um, of getting their first point against a, a uh, yeah it was away at Fiorentina. So they've still only played yep. two games away from home. So we've not seen them at home. So so while they were probably the weakest, they're the team. Uh, them and Sam play, so Sam played two at home Cremonese played two yeah, away yeah I, I remembered Sam I um, remember that it was Cremonese but yeah so so while they've not yet played at home and I probably thought they were going to be the weaker of the three because Lecce obviously came up directly Sam Babin um, played yeah Sam played they lost to Atalanta at home and they sorry did, yeah. Um, yeah the strange fixture list that we mentioned on the preview um, so yeah I don't know I'm, I'm hoping there's still a little bit more to come from them um, because Cernatana look like they're going to struggle like they did for much of the campaign until the final few weeks last year Inter Spezia 3-0 kind of straightforward not really too much to say about this Ewan but uh, comprehensive unremarkable win yeah probably exactly what they wanted after a very opposite type of win away at Lecce. Um, I think the only thing really to fully focus on is that Lautaro goal, because it was utterly, utterly gorgeous. And I think Kev would like to talk about that. Well, that was exactly what I was going to say. As I, as, I heard, as I heard your monotone voice sort of going, oh yeah, another interview. Um, <laughs> Leave him alone. There was, there, there's something about the knockdown. There's just something about a knockdown. You know, it wasn't necessarily just the, you know, the Lautaro yeah. strike, but it's, it's the you can see what the, the stroke is going to do, but I don't know. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't. Who was it with the knockdown, Kev? It was Lukaku. Finished um, man. Uh, Finished forward. Well, Nothing player. Uh, that was Chelsea's opinion, not mine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, usually, usually it will hit the deck and it will bounce up at like waist high for the person that's coming on to the to the knockdown. And yeah, it was just um, perfectly executed. So. They do still look like they're kind of trying to remember how to play with each other, don't they? Yeah, a little. Yeah. Um, I think, well, didn't Lautaro get more goals last season than he did yes. in the title-winning campaign, which you know you can interpret that in many different ways, obviously, collectively. Um, I don't have the numbers in my head, but I assume they got more in the title-winning season um, than last. But, you know, it will take a bit of time. Obviously, Lukaku's had a year of very, very knocked confidence. Um, and he's a, he's a very different guy to play alongside than Ed and Jekka. Um So it will certainly take a few games, but I mean, you know, they've both already found the back of the net. I don't think you can really ask for too much more after two games. I suppose you're probably right. You're always right, Ewan, mm. aren't you? It's... Did you just say I know? That's a bit arrogant, actually. I don't <laughs> like that very much. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah, but you were supposed to show modesty in your response, and you failed well, I did, the test. I did some earlier. I had to even it out. Yeah, I don't know if that's how it works. I think you need two modesties for every one arrogance. And no, at the so moment, what you have to understand is I don't actually believe anything I say. So I just <laughs> that you know, tweet has really time. rattled you, might hasn't be... it? <laughs> I'll tell you, that tweet has gotten into time. your head. Really sad to see, actually. You and I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed it had such an impact. I printed it up and put it on the wall in the office. What yeah, an arsehole! <laughs> it was just needless, wasn't it? Um, but anyway, so hello if you're listening. Um, although he, he, I say he, it was definitely a man. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. I um, do that. 
he did delete the tweet. So do you reckon he was just having a bad day? And yeah, maybe. But you know, benefit the day. I, I, I'm biased, but um, I, I thought it was. It. I thought it was very good last week. Our uh, our uh, week one. <laughs> I enjoyed on it on match day one. You know, it, maybe it felt too much like we were sat in the pub or at Ewan's flat or wherever we've been sat previously, and we were chatting too much. I don't know. Think the issue is, Kev. Had you been in the pub, this man might have thought you'd you'd have had more life about you. But I listened mm. to it and I thought it was quite enjoyable, to be honest. Well, I had the kind of opposite thing in the sense that I'd been drinking like like a huge chunk of the day. Well, don't but say in a very, that on the podcast. In a very like gradual manner, but yep. it meant that by the time I did my hour long train journey back from Wigan to then come and do the podcast, you know, day drinking I think makes you very tired by that point. So you're not doing know, it right. I apologise for how. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He was right. <laughs> I've had a thing. <laughs> There's two modest, two, two modest. You're back. I can accept yeah, it yeah, now, Ewan. Well done. <laughs> the, the real Mr. Burns has returned, and it, it's refreshing <laughs> to see. Guys, there was a tweet that the Serie A account did Another about one. this match, and I'm trying to find it now, but I can't. So I'm wondering, did they also delete it? Did you guys see this one about Joaquin Correa? No, but the Serie A account and the... I think the English Inter account, I don't know about the Italian one, are best pals this season. But if you notice that, them two are back and forth. Which account? It's weird. Serie A and Inter. I don't oh. know if it's the English Inter one. I think it is. The behind the scenes information makes that not at all surprising and a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit annoying, actually. Um, but yeah, you'll see that when they play another club from Emilia Romagna this season as well. Um, but less of that. What were you saying? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Are you trying to find a Korea one or something? Yeah, I don't know where it's gone. But it was it was silly. Because they were basically... I think they did delete it. But they were basically talking about how Korea is this like amazing striker who just always scores. And I was thinking, like, that's not him. Do you know this? Yeah, have they got? did they mix him up with Lukaku of the season before last? I, I couldn't get my head around it. But anyway... Um, not really that much else to say about this game, so we'll get into the others briefly. Um, Roma beat Cremonese one nil. It's been a bad week for them though, Kev. When Alden got injured, Zaniolo got injured during this game. Um, but Chris Smaldini got the winner. Yeah, I um I didn't realize Zaniolo got injured actually, but um I did see when Alden looks like a dislocated shoulder, which is oh. probably actually a good thing because it's not one of his legs again yeah no that's certainly better than the injuries that he's had previously um the roma roma are the exactly what you kind of see at the start of a season that they've created loads of chances in the two games they've had they've had you know particularly today there are a couple of close efforts where they could have dropped points but they're sort of just getting over the line. I don't know if it, it feels like that just because it's Mourinho in charge, but it feels like they could have drawn both of these games, 0-0 or 1-1, and we would be swinging right from, oh, are they Are they going to mount a challenge this year to, oh, they're two points from six, and I don't know. And I, it, I, don't know, I, just, found, I just found it interesting. It's, it is that early season form. I think people... yeah. 
it's so easy. It's why I don't like looking at the fixture list until, you know, back in the day. They never used to come out until we were like six six games in. But it feels like the last... exact example of early season that you can be that that close to being on it. That uh, what you've never you've never experienced that, that have you? No, um, I have. But that's just one of those things that you sometimes say that makes you sound way older oh, than you yeah. are. Well, I don't know, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, it makes me feel ex- sound exactly as old as I am. It's just uh, sometimes people <laughs> Were don't you think. Seventy-eight. No, no, come on. It's... I don't know when they you said You literally said back in the day. Oh, That's right. mad. All right. Well, it's, it's within the last 10, year, 10 years that they've started showing like the table after two weeks. Hmm. Or at least in, in, the, in, got in, the, time in, the, print, in the printed press. I think they've done it for a while because of the um, things going up onto web pages and stuff. But, yeah. you know, you never used to see them in the, the pinks, as they were called. But uh, it's probably a bit different in... Italy, as there is a. Very I did think that watching paint. this, on the point that you were making, to be fair, I did think, and I had a tweet written and ready to send, but I deleted it because, to be honest, like I do 90% of the things I want to tweet, I just can't be bothered. <laughs> I just can't be bothered, so I deleted it. But Roma did look very much like a an early season team, particularly in attack. I thought that Zaniola Dybala, Pellegrini as well, and, and Abraham. They, they hadn't quite worked out what moves they wanted to make. And I know some of those players played together last year, but adding Dybala in kind of changes the dynamic of, of all of the players and how they interact but, with, with one another. So but, I didn't but, really think that. Mourinho's probably on his second bottle of wine tonight because he probably loves this. I think, yeah. I think if, if, you are, if you are the Roma coach at the moment, you want nothing more than your side picking up six points from six, looking like they could have scored a load more goals, but they've they've got those wins. They've not conceded either game, and in three weeks' time, if they if they click, then they could be you know winning three one four two you know and, and getting those goals. You don't want them doing that in the first couple of weeks. You know we've seen that with other sides where they've you know was it Napoli last year? They win the last the first eight nine ten games or whatever it was, and then they fade away. You know you don't really want people, teams flying out of the box, or at least I think. Um, experienced tacticians like Mourinho don't they they realize the importance of don't go too early too soon and you know these points that they've effectively ground out or you know just seen themselves over the line are might you know are possibly what will take them into the Champions League places this year if they're sort of four points ahead of the likes of Juve or Napoli and others Another team who haven't conceded a goal and will be hoping to qualify for the Champions League next season. Juventus, Ewan, nil-nil away at Samp. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it is funny. I mean, it, we kind of alluded to it earlier. There's nothing to say about this. Okay, we'll move on. I thought we had Sass- to be- <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. Uh, we just kind of had to tick that box again, I thought. Sassuolo beat Lecce 1-0. This is the first game of the season that I've been at and I was I was very pleased to get back and see a belting goal from from Domenico Baradi in an otherwise quite not very interesting game. But anyone want to ask anything about this one? I, the, uh, the goal, yeah, the, the goal was a beauty. I just can't get, yeah. I just can't get my head around Baradi in the number ten. He's been there too long now. He should have just. I know what you mean. He should have just gone. No, that's it. I'm 25 now. In the same way as Insigne was 24 and. 
De Rossi, oh no, actually De Rossi, I think might have flipped from 16 and 4 at Roma, but anyway. But yeah. No, I think he was always 16, wasn't he? Was he? I don't know, I've got this, this weird feeling that he wore 4 at one point. Um, I do understand what you mean, though. And what made it worse for me at this game was Maxime Lopez has gone from, I'm sure he was 8 last season. He's wearing 27 now. Like, that's a that's an odd one. <laughs> now, now I, did, I was looking at Lobotka for Napoli, and I couldn't remember him wearing 68. And I don't, please do not do this. I, 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 I'm not looking to invent another game, but it's a bit like higher. Have you ever, have you ever seen the TV show Higher or Lower? You know, higher than Oh eight. my God, we're doing and this I, I'm, game. I'm thinking, Silabotka, 68. Was he wearing that last season? Was he not? Oh, <laughs> on, to, on to Ewan. Ewan. Uh, Maxi Lopez, was he wearing this number last season? Oh, was my he not? God. Oh, no, he's not. Back to Kev. And it's like, oh, oh God, no, I'm not, I was not. I was going to try not to suggest that, but that's all I keep we thinking. Are, we are playing that game on Patreon in the preview part at the end of the week. Patrons, <laughs> sign up for that. Current Serie A players and their shirt numbers. Thank you for that idea, Kev. It's a gorgeous one. So that's what will look interesting, though, because obviously they're going to have to change this year because they always lose players, but I don't think they've ever lost to the extent that they have this year because Boga left in, in January, Raspadori's gone, Skamaka's gone, Juricic has gone as well. That's their front unit, except for Berardi. He's the only one who's still there, and he's pretty much the only one in the team with the same role as a result. And... I'm quite intrigued to see how they get on. It does look like Maxime Lopez is going to have even more responsibility when it comes to dictating play in the middle. It was quite interesting whenever they had the ball. The Sassuolo team basically just fought a big circle around the pitch. And the only one who wasn't in that circle of the outfield players was Maxime Lopez. And it was like he was doing a training exercise. He was in the middle, getting the ball, giving it to someone, going and getting it back, and then bringing it to someone else. It was odd. But I'm intrigued to see how that works. And I think Berardi, there were times where he was just not defending. And more so than I've ever seen before, I do think he's just been given a lot more um, creative license this year, along with the number 10 and the five-year contract. But I mean, money he deserves it, doesn't he? If if he's going to stay with Sassuolo, give him what he wants. How did um, Pinamonti look in this game? I, they, right. They've got him and they signed somebody from South America. I forgot his name now. It's something, uh, Augustin Alvarez, I think it is. Oh, okay. I um, thought you were talking about Mateus yeah. Enrique. But uh, Pinamonte. Like 10 million or something. So, in theory, one of those two is going to miss out, you'd think. <laughs> I'm coming at this from a position of being, I suppose you could call me a Pinamonte doubter. Like, Atalanta were linked mm. with him throughout the summer and I was very pleased when Sassuolo came along and and signed him instead. Now, there's kind of two reasons for that. One is that I just don't think he's up to it. But secondly, I think if he's ever going to get to that level, he's more likely to get to that level at Sassuolo rather than playing behind Zapata and Muriel with, with Atalanta. So he didn't really do much. There was nothing that he showed that made me think that this is going to be a, a rip-roaring success at Sassuolo. But strikers are a little bit funny there in that in the last few years even Skamaka like whenever you actually watched Skamaka Sassuolo last year there weren't really games where you thought this guy's the the beating heart of this team everything revolves around him he kind of just didn't fit 
in the system, but was good enough to score enough goals to catch the eye. And strikers are kind of like that, with the exception of Chicha Caputo. I mean, you'd struggle to name a number nine that's actually been at Sassuolo and impressed. And I'm not sure. I, I think Pinamonti's probably moldable enough to to do well, and Dionisi can get something out of him. But yeah, I wasn't overly impressed. But he, he was given a very good reception. He came off, and the the crowd greeted him very nicely. Um, the other game was that was in Bologna. Finished one one against Verona. I left at half time because Trenitalia were uh, Trenitalia were in, in the words of Graham Sunes, men at it this weekend, and they just changed a load of things, which meant that had I stayed until full time, I wouldn't have got home until after three a.m. And I had to be up to to hold you and hand through a, a shift the following morning at nine. So <laughs> I decided to leave and I saw both of the goals, a disallowed goal and a really good save. So I saw everything except for the red card. So I think my decision was justified and I got fed. So quite pleased about that one. Um, it's a better way to do it, I think. I think so. I smashed it. Absolutely smashed it. <laughs> the rest of the games, there was the Milinkovic Savage Derby, Torino nil, Lazio nil. I can't remember which one of them said it, Kev, but one of the brothers said, The only one happy this evening's our mum. It's quite nice. <laughs> it is quite nice, yeah. Um, yeah, because nobody else was, even though he's watching the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says a lot about the game that this is the, you know, on our running order, that's the headline for the game. <laughs> two, two people played in the game. <laughs> and they happen to be brothers. Yeah, it's not great, is it? It's not great. Um, another nil nil. Udinese Salernitana because they're doing it again. They do it every year. They're dreadful at the start of the season. They're boring. They're unwatchable. Oh, they weren't. That then bad they against... start to panic. They weren't that bad against Milan. Yeah, that was fun. Because Milan, Udinese didn't contribute to that. Udinese is one of these weird things. Yeah, because Milan don't know how to defend against Rodrigo Bacau. It's it's nothing to do with Udinese being a good team. It's just that that's a thing that happens. Rodrigo Bacau plays against Milan. He scores a header. He doesn't score against anybody else. He scores headers against Milan. They're rubbish. I I had another grievance with Udinese. Send them down. Um, With what? (laughs) Yeah. No, it was... um, Again, I don't know how much of this you watched, but... um, Bijou in the first half got like concussed and they left him on it's, and and I think he stumbled around for about three minutes and then he eventually had to go off and he was he was struggling to walk off the pitch it just pissed me right off that they just hadn't mm. you know I'm sure there's I'm sure there's concussion protocol in it you know there are in lots of other major leagues but yeah it just I don't know it just wound me up I thought look at the lad he, he didn't know where he was you know because mm. obviously after the clash of heads the cameras kept rolling too and you could see he was glazed over. You know, we've all, you know, maybe not concussion, but we've all we've all looked at a mate in a pub or somewhere that's had one too many, and you you know he's not, he's just not, he's just not there. You know, he's there in body and not in, not in their mind. And yeah, it just it just annoyed me. It took him a good three four minutes, and it's it's not it's not a good. Not a good Do you know look. what? I, I I didn't know about that, and I'm not sure if there are or what the concussion protocol is in Italy because. I don't remember much of a discussion about it, unfortunately, but it is, it's daft, isn't it? It is quite With five scary subs, when it's you see players you know, being left it's, on. It's, it's pointless, you know, you've got five subs. Um, mm. I, I sort of, this is probably a bit prim-centric because of where I live, but I think the Premier League has got concussion subs now. Mm. And you'd think that that's just... Has it? 
mm-hmm. logic. Yeah, it's just logical everywhere. So you you get an extra sub if it's due to fears over a concussion, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, a lot of people were worried about people abusing the rule, yada yada. But I think it's one of them. You know, the chances of someone successfully abusing that rule is not a valid reason to not have yeah. the rule compared to the safety. You know what I mean? The other side got um, an extra sub as well, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, the other team. It unlocks ah, that's a good stuff. idea. I don't know if that's yeah, changed. Yeah, it's quite a good system. It makes sense. Because that was last season. I know last season that was it was the first year of it when there were still three subs in the Premier League. Now there's five. I don't know if they have taken that away and said, well, you can use mm. one of those. But um, you'd think not because well, it's, it's, it's a bigger issue than how many subs you've got on the bench. It's, it's, a, it's about that the as our homework to, to look into the concussion protocol in Italy if there is any um, Empoli Fiorentina was also scoreless I think it was Kev who picked the game out on the preview so I'm throwing oh yeah yeah, no, well, yeah I did I thought it was going to be quite interesting there was a laughable red card through VAR which oh, I don't know what was going on with that um, I can't, can't even can't even remember now Doc Med, why, why it was but they should never have just gone to the monitor Oh, it was because oh, it's because the ball was dropping. The ball was the ball was <laughs> dropping, and okay, the lads threw, threw on goal, but there's no there's nothing malicious in it. You know, it was it was a, it was a legitimate attempt to, to go to, yeah to, to hook the ball away, and he caught the lad in his sort of midriff. We we're, were about forty yards to go through on to goal, and uh, you just think to yourself, you you've kind of ruined the contest. And that was only you know there was only twenty five minutes left, but oh, have a day off. <laughs> have a day off. That's how I feel when I speak to you most of the time. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> That's all of the, the, the Serie A. Now, just a quick nod, Ewan, to the Women's Champions League qualifiers. We will be adding a, a women's football podcast weekly over on patreon.com slash total Italian football. Apologies. Um, so we will talk about these results a little bit more on that because we will be doing a season preview with the the Serie A Feminile season starting this coming weekend. But Roma and Juventus both through to what is now effectively a playoff in the most complicated tournament qualification process you will ever see. Um, Juventus beat Israeli side Kiriath Gat quite comfortably, 3-1 in the end, whereas Roma went all the way to penalties against Paris FC, not Paris Saint-Germain, Paris FC to book their place in the playoff rounds. Now, it's going to get difficult for Roma because they're going to play one of PSG, Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Sparta, Prague, or Real Madrid in that two-legged playoff to qualify. Juve should get there. Roma will go into whoever they face as the underdogs. But encouraging signs for Italian football, Ewan. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you say, Juve would be surprising at this stage if they didn't get there based on who they should play and how they have played. Um, for Roma, they've, you know, it, it's very hard to gauge, you know, sort of like what we talked about with Italy at the Euros earlier this summer. It's quite hard to gauge what we should be expecting from them. It's the first ever time in the tournament um, coming up against teams that, you know, we don't know about. Mm. Um, it's very hard to work out if they're overachieving, underachieving, yada, yada. But, you know, when if, if you then put them against City, you know, you know where you stand then of, that would be a tremendous achievement if they got a tie against that sort of team and they got through to the groups. If they don't, you know, be a, it'd be a huge shame because um, once again, they'd only be Juve in there because um, Milan didn't get through last year, did they? 
No. Nope. Um, so it'd be a huge shame, but you could, you know, they they by far from underachieved, and it's still another step for the club. I think they've already. I don't want to say completely succeeded, but getting this far is success for them. I think mm. like the fact that they won their mini tournament and got to the playoff is is a decent step. It's going to be really difficult against whoever they come up against, but fingers crossed. We will be back during the week. So patreon.com slash total Italian football for that. You and I will talk about those games in a little bit more detail, but that will do it guys. We've, we've come to the end after a, a round that underwhelmed a little bit to be perfectly honest with you, but I'm just happy to be back guys. This is my first regular part of the season. Kev, are you happy to have me back? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You were such a bad host last time. <laughs> was, were you more interested this week? Yeah. Uh, yeah because I was it. here. Yeah. There's no nuance to that. Was there? <laughs> <Please> that. <laughs> he was bad. <laughs> He's not still listening at this point anyway, is he? Um, you and were you happy to have me back? Yes, absolutely. Because I, I, I can just sort of gently read things and then wait here if you're talking to me. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Listeners, thank you for sticking with us. Hopefully, this recording as we approach 1am was, was up to scratch for you guys. I'm sure you'll let us know if it wasn't anyway, but we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>